The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Welcome to Love Was His Meaning, reading and praying with Julian of Norwich, chapter 35. Um, and before we get into Julian this morning, we'll do the office. The link is in the description. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Let's say together Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, and listen to my prayer. I call upon you from the ends of the earth with heaviness in my heart. Set me upon the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. I will dwell in your house forever, I will take refuge under the cover of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows, you have granted me the heritage of those who fear your name. Add length of days to the king's life, let his years extend over many generations. Let him sit enthroned before God forever, bid love and faithfulness watch over him. So will I always sing the praise of your name, and day by day I will fulfill my vows. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let's say together a prayer of Julian. God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough to me, and I can ask nothing that is less that can be full honor to you. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want for only in you have I all. Amen. Here we are at chapter 35. So uh, this whole time we have been uh, talking about Julian's um, revelation, the revelation that all shall be well, and this this conflict that she had between the idea of seeing so much go in, going on in the wrong, wrong in the world around her, and this promise that God makes that um, all will be well, and the effects of human sin, and God's promise that all will be well, and it's been we've been struggling with that for chapters um, in Julian's minds, and at this point she finally either it's either answered or she decides to set it aside for the time being, um, but um, my guess is it's probably a struggle her entire life. It's as it would be as it should be for us. I mean that's if we're looking at what's going on in the world, the question of how does God make this uh, fix this all and make it well. Is, is a really good question. Uh, but we're moving on uh, here with uh, Julian's revelation. When God Almighty had shown so plentifully and so fully of his goodness, I desired to know of a certain creature that I loved, I desired to know of a certain creature that I loved, if it should continue in good living, which I hope by the grace of God was begun. And in this particular desire, it seemed that I hindered myself because I was not shown at this time. And then I was answered in my reason, as if it were by a friendly go-between, Take this generally, and see the graciousness of the Lord God as he reveals it to thee, for it is more honor to God for thee to see him in all things than in any special thing. I agreed, and with that I learned that it is more honor to God to understand all things in general 
than to delight in anything in particular. And if I would do wisely following this teaching, not only should I not be joyful for anything in particular, but also not be greatly anxious over any manner of thing, for all shall be well. The fullness of joy is to behold God in everything. For by the same blessed power, wisdom, and love by which he created all things, to the same end our good Lord leads those things constantly, and he shall bring himself to them, and when it is time we shall see it. All that our Lord does is rightful, what he allows is honorable, and in these two is included both good and evil. All that is good our Lord does, and what is evil our Lord tolerates. I say not that any evil is honorable, but I say the toleration of our Lord God is honorable, whereby his goodness shall be known without end in his marvelous humility and gentleness by the action of mercy and grace. Rightfulness is that thing which is so good that it cannot be better than it is, for God himself is true righteousness, rightfulness, and all his works are done rightfully, as they are appointed from without beginning by his high power, his high wisdom, his high goodness. And just as he ordained all for the best, just so he works constantly and leads it to that same end, and he is evermore pleased with himself and with his works. The beholding of this blissful accord is most sweet to the soul that sees by grace. All the souls that shall be saved in heaven without end are created rightful in the sight of God and by his own goodness, and in this rightfulness we are endlessly and marvelously preserved more than all other created things. Mercy is an action that comes from the goodness of God, and it shall remain in action as long as sin is permitted to pursue rightful souls. And when sin no longer has permission to pursue, then shall the action of mercy cease, and then shall all be brought to rightfulness and remain therein without end. By his permission we fall, and in his blessed love, with his power and his wisdom, we are preserved, and by mercy and grace we are raised to many more joys. And thus, in rightfulness and in mercy, he wishes to be known and loved now and without end, and the soul that wisely holds on to this in grace is well pleased with both and endlessly rejoices. Okay, so Julian has a, had this um, revelation that all shall be well. So she thinks to herself, there's this one per creature, one person, pretty, pretty sure person. Uh, if you're looking at the short version of the text, the version that she uh, wrote shortly after the revelations, um, the, the creature actually uses the female pronoun. So this is a, a, a female person, a woman of some sort, could be a daughter, a friend, a cousin, a, um, a, um, a sister, quite possibly, um, wanting to know, you know, if this, uh, the future basically about this particular person, well, God has shown me this much, I might as well ask. And that's not all that unusual with visionaries at this time. Um, the seeing, the actual seeing into the future is what she's asking for here. Um, and some visionaries have those visions of particular people and what's supposed to happen to them in the future. Um, God does not show that to her. In fact, God just kind of clams up at this point. Just it, God doesn't rebuke her, but God simply doesn't say anything. And it seems to her that she hindered herself, um, that, that that made it worse. Um, that it, um, by desiring more knowledge than God offered, Julian hindered him herself, as John Julian puts it. Um, and then she gets this voice in her reason that says, uh, it's more it's more honor to God for you to see him in all things than in any special thing. And this is an interesting uh, point. This is 
what we might call in uh, in in a lot of modern spiritual practice detachment. Uh, the idea that um, too much attachment. I mean, we all become attached to particular people. This is the nature of relationship is for humans. Is we become attached to people. It's it's a natural part. It's not a bad thing in itself. But I think the argument here is probably that not not that we have to look beyond that. It's not that we should be detached from people around us. It's that uh, Julian is encouraging us to look at a wider and wider circle and see and expand that circle of love outwards so that we're not just showing love to those around us. I mean, even some some of the most difficult people, some of the most horrific people in history have been able to show love to those around them. And quite often that's the problem is the only people they really love are the people around them. It's challenging us to expand our vision outward and to see the people um, all around us in the same light that we see those that we particularly love. Um, it's more honor to God to understand things all in general than to delight anything in particular. Um, and uh, Warwick is the only one who takes this one passage a little bit later on this way, but I'm going to read it to, to you. I should be not only be glad for everything in general, but I should not be greatly distressed over any manner of individual, for all shall be well. So that's kind of the flip side of this. If, if you take this as being not just manner of thing, but the individual, not only should we not practice, should we work on not, on not just being attached to those immediately around us, uh, but we should remember that, that that mandate of all shall be well applies to each of these individuals that we love in particular and well as well, that at the end, all shall be brought to good. Um, and especially if we're going through a situation with those that we love um, having um, a, a physical illness or mental illness or anything like that, I think that can be very helpful for us to remember that ultimately we are not the ones that determine the fate of those that we love, that the, that we have to let that fate rest in God uh, and in the deed that's done at the end of time, uh, the restoration of humanity um, back to the place that it's supposed to be. Um, let me see if I got this. Yeah, so there's a, also a quote here from um, from uh, Frederick Roden, who writes uh, the commentary Loves Trinity on this that I thought was really helpful. Uh, he goes back and he talks to um, about Aelred of Raveau, which was a 12th century uh, monk who wrote on um, God and friendship. Uh, Aelred actually in the monastery, particular uh, talked about the the idea of spiritual friendship of people forming particular attachments uh, in a, in a way to um, to support and admonish each other. Um, and Elred of Raveau puts forth a virtually promiscuous. That's an interesting word there, but a virtually promiscuous vision of spiritual love, wherein more is always more. The greater opportunities we have for love, rather than focusing that human love on one particular person, place, or thing, the more fully we experience God's love. The love banquet means we need the whole menu, not just our favorite dessert, in order to know the divine. So this chapter is a, is a call to let go. It doesn't mean we stop loving those around us, but it means for us to, I guess, pull our claws out a little. It means for us to kind of sit back and see if we're not... if in our lives, we haven't focused too much on certain particular people and try to expand that, that love outward uh, to, to emulate the way that God loves the world. And he says, she says, uh, all our Lord does is rightful and what he allows is honorable 
And in these two is included both good and evil. And what she's not saying here is that good and evil are both flip sides of the same coin and that both are, are come from God, but good comes from the Lord and evil is tolerated by the Lord. For what reason? We're not quite sure. You know, this is one of those, those questions of theodicy or the justness of God or, um, once again, for Julian, it goes back to this idea that all shall be well in the end, that this is a process we can't really understand. Um, and then there's this whole discussion of mercy, of rightfulness being the the, the position of God, the, the attribute of God. And mercy is something that operates in the world as long as sin is operating. Uh, mercy is something that's required because of sin. Uh, once uh, And is a byproduct of the rightfulness of God. And when... Um, sin ceases to be, then uh, mercy is no longer required, is kind of what she's getting into here, this kind of theological thing. John Julian does a good job summarizing these paragraphs in the end of this chapter of saying that God tolerates our falling into sin, but even in that sin, we are preserved and protected by God, and eventually by God's mercy, we are forgiven and attain heaven. So, Sin exists, and we're not quite sure why sin and suffering exists. We're never really given a clear answer for that. Um, I often tell people that if people have, if you run into a spiritual leader who has a clear articulation of why sin and suffering exists, I, I'm not sure I would trust them because this is one of the this is the one of the greatest questions of humanity: is why does this stuff exist? But we are preserved. That's the other part: is that uh, we're always held in the love of God. Uh, and at the end, everything will be made well. And for that reason, we can kind of let go a little bit of our particularities. You know, I don't think Julian would say that that what she what she's demanding here is that we give up those ones we particularly love. The challenge is instead for us to expand that outwards and to see the rest of the world as part of that same circle. Let's join together in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I bid your prayers at this time for all those in Eastern Europe, especially those in the Ukraine. I bid your prayers for all those on our parish prayer list. I bid your prayers at this time, either silently or aloud. Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Most Holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, 
our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning this morning. Uh, we will continue again next Tuesday. Until that time, take care of yourselves and God bless. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.